Welcome to the IVF Journey with Dr. Michael Chapman, the podcast for couples who struggle with infertility and want to fulfill their dreams of becoming parents. To access previous episodes packed with ideas, solutions, and tips that actually work, head over to Dr. Chapman's IVF podcast on iTunes. You can also ask questions by contacting Dr. Chapman's rooms on 1-800-111-483 or by emailing him michael.chapman at ivf.com.au. Hi, this is Professor Chapman. Recently we've been doing some Facebook Live sessions where I've been answering questions from the listeners and participants. What you're about to hear now is some audio of those segments and I hope they'll be useful for you. So I'm Professor Michael Chapman. I'm an IVF specialist with IVF Australia. I've been working in the field of fertility for over 35 years, doing IVF, thousands of cycles and to date, something in the order of three and a half thousand babies have resulted from care that I've been involved in. And obviously that depth of experience allows me to deal with patients with all sorts of problems. I thought I'd start though, given where we are in the COVID world, uh, with some commentary about COVID and fertility, COVID in pregnancy and COVID vaccines. So let's start with the evidence. Obviously COVID has been a worldwide problem now for more than 18 months. And during that time, millions of women have conceived, millions of women have had babies. And obviously, all clinicians, particularly academic clinicians, have been looking very closely at whether COVID itself produces any issues in relation to babies and pregnancy. And the answers are, in terms of babies, it makes no difference. Based on hundreds of thousands of babies born from women who have suffered COVID during the pregnancy. About the pregnancy itself, however, if you do get COVID and the respiratory symptoms that go along with it, they are more severe than someone of your equivalent age who is not pregnant. So more women have ended up in high dependency units in their pregnancies if they catch COVID. So that really takes us to vaccination. And as our politicians and our public medical people are saying, the more people that get vaccinated, the lower the risk of anybody getting COVID. So in the general population, as many people as possible should be getting vaccinated. And that includes women trying to get pregnant and women who are pregnant. The evidence in relation to side effects of the vaccination is that in pregnancy and during fertility treatments, it makes no difference to your pregnancy or to the fertility treatments that you might be going through like IVF. So don't hesitate. I've been asked at least four times in the last week, should I or should I not? The risks of you getting COVID are significantly greater, multiples greater than any risk of the vaccine itself. There have been these, these two or three case reports of unusual blood clots in over a million doses. You step out on a street and you get run over more and killed more likely than taking the vaccination, but you still walk in the street, don't you? Take the vaccinations. That's my message. Please, the government has uh, said that if you're under 40, and obviously most of you who are trying to get pregnant are under 40, can go to their GP and ask for the AstraZeneca vaccine. The AstraZeneca vaccine is available for women under the age of 40 if they want to have it done. The reason it's gone to the GPs is because they, the GP is the person who knows most about your history, who knows about the pluses and minuses, 
Um, and the pluses are COVID in pregnancy is not a good thing to catch. If you're vaccinated, it's highly unlikely you're going to catch it. Against that, as I've said already, there are rare complications, but they are incredibly rare. I suspect if we looked at flu vaccines, if they were as widespread as COVID vaccines have been in some countries around the world, we would also find some unusual rare side effects, but we still take the flu vaccine. So please get yourself vaccinated. Go to your GP and get sorted out. On to other questions that I've been asked. And one recent, uh, and, and these are patients of mine, I see a number of patients in their early or mid-40s asking about pregnancy, asking about how can they improve their chances of getting pregnant. Sadly, nature is working against you if you're in that age group. For whatever reasons, we have evolved as a race and our bodily functions in relation to ovaries is that by late 40s, early 50s, all the eggs have run out. It may be that that was what we were programmed to be when our normal death rate, normal age at death, is only 150 years ago, women, the average age of death of a woman was 50 years of age. It's now 75 because of modern medicines, modern treatments for things. It's risen dramatically, but we haven't been able to change the ovaries. Women's reproductive life in those days, 150 years ago, was usually between 20 and 25. Today, it's now 35 plus is the average age of women having babies. So it is a problem that of egg numbers, number one, but also it is also a problem of egg quality. And that's the bit that, that baffles us most because there are women with low egg numbers in their 30s who have the same chances of getting pregnant naturally as women with lots of eggs, and that's because age affects egg quality. That egg quality issue is around the genetic makeup of the egg, the chromosomes that we're all endowed with, the 46 chromosomes. When eggs form, there are various processes of division and segregation of chromosomes that require the egg to have quite a sophisticated system, like a, a very sophisticated factory. And as the factory gets tired, it runs out of energy, it makes mistakes. And those mistakes are transmitted into eggs that either won't fertilize, or if they do fertilize, they don't implant, or if they do implant, miscarriages are more common. That's what we're fighting against. Statistics suggest from our genetic testing of embryos that when you're 30, something like 40% of embryos that you create through IVF are actually going to be genetically abnormal. By 40, that percentage has risen to almost 80%. By 45, it's 98%. 98% certain that an embryo created at 45 is going to be genetically abnormal. So that's what we're fighting against. And to date, no one has able, been able to reverse that trend. People ask me about adjuvants, taking vitamins, taking growth hormone, uh, taking all sorts of things have been suggested. None of them are scientifically proven. There's some work in mice that suggests that some chemicals might improve the situation. There's evidence for substances like CoQ10 in mice, but it's never been proven in humans. So improving air quality, I'm afraid it's more a lottery. If 98% of embryos are abnormal, then two in every 100 is going to be normal. If you want to go for the one in 50, that's what you're doing when you're trying to get pregnant at 45. From Zara, she says, 
advice for someone with PCOS and endometriosis to fall pregnant, struggling to ovulate? Yeah, so you, you're very unlucky to get both conditions because both of them affect infertility. But PCOS is the one easier one to deal with. There are a variety of medications that should stimulate your ovaries to allow you to produce an egg and possibly get normal uh, spontaneous pregnancy without having to go to IVF. It depends a little bit on how severe the endometriosis is in terms of affecting your fallopian tubes and preventing the eggs and the sperm getting together. But in terms of getting you to ovulate with PCOS, that's relatively straightforward. It could be tablets, it might involve injections, and it might ultimately end up in IVF. But there are ways of dealing with that when You have polycystic ovaries and you're trying to get pregnant. See someone who understands polycystic ovaries. I'm seeing patients, far too many patients, who turn up at some specialists who dabble in IVF. Although simple treatment may work with you, they'll take you straight into IVF because they'll say that gets you pregnant quicker. It's not necessarily the case. So make sure you see somebody who understands polycystic ovaries and understands how to get you to ovulate, because that's the most likely way you're going to get pregnant. In relation to the endometriosis, uh, it's important to know how severe it is. Unfortunately, symptoms are not necessarily a good sign of the severity of the disease. These days, ultrasound is much better at defining the degree of endometriosis, uh, but ultimately the gold standard is looking inside with keyhole surgery with a telescope which enables it at that time to actually excise the endometriosis. And don't forget that you can access all the previous episodes by going to our website, www.theivfjourney.com and select IVF Journey Podcast from the navigation menu. Thank you for listening to The IVF Journey with Dr. Michael Chapman, the podcast which helps couples negotiate their way through the IVF journey all the way to parenthood. You can also ask questions by contacting Dr. Chapman's rooms on 1-800-111-483 or by emailing him michael.chapman at ivf.com.au.